Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another SACPA session. Um, today we have uh, Jacques Fensky, the acting leader of the Alberta Party, with us. Um, SACPA acknowledges that this event takes place on the lands of the Blackfoot people and the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3, and we pay respect to their past, present, and future cultural heritage, beliefs, and relationship to the land. SACPA is also very thankful for the continuing support we receive from the University of Lethbridge, Shaw Spotlight, and the Lethbridge Herald. Um, today, as I said, we have Jackie Fens Fensky, the acting leader of the Alberta Party, on the topic of the need for more voices in the public sphere for Albertans. Jackie Fensky is an acting leader of the Alberta Party. She previously served as a PCMLA for Ford Saskatchewan, Fagreville, and as a Strathcona Country Councillor. She's the managing partner, partner as well for her family pie shop. <laughs> thank you very much for joining us today, and we look very much forward to your talk. Well, thank you, and uh, thank you for the invitation. Uh, it's kind of been a whirlwind of change, especially every time there's an announcement uh, with respect to the rules and regulations of COVID changing, because as you said, we do have a family business, and our staff are always a little concerned, uh, rightfully so, to ensure that they still have a position. So my yesterday was spent going from location to location, uh, trying to bring everybody's spirits up and assure them that we're going to continue to do what we do and that serve our customers and that we will continue to be here. And then I got to go home. Uh, we live in the country and uh, I got to do farming things. So it's a wonderful province and there's so many opportunities uh, that, that we, we enjoy and, and I love this province. And I know that my staff and my family and that you as well, we all care about our province. And uh, I thank you for having taken an interest in the public affairs of this great province. Um, we're here today because certainly your what you are looking to do is to connect business and government and how that we can work together. And so I want to talk to you about the Alberta Party, the state of politics in Alberta briefly, and what we all can do together to build uh, a better province for Albertans. Many of you, and far too many for my liking, will be asking right now, who is the Alberta Party? Are we UCP or NDP light? Are we progressive or conservative? I'm asked these questions often, but insisting on defining the Alberta Party by comparing one party to another, one ideology to another, it's just too simple. So let me explain what the Alberta Party stands for by telling you why I am an Alberta Party member. When the current Premier was running to lead the Progressive Conservative Party, a party I proudly represented in the legislature, he requested a meeting with me as well as others looking for support from within caucus. He droned on about the importance of eliminating the deficit and paying down the debt. Now, I agree that these are laudable goals. But his enthusiasm for fiscal discipline ignored or avoided the effects it would have on Albertans. So I asked about that, the Alberta advantage, the one that I fought for and represented in the legislature, was not only about low taxes and small government, it was about caring for Albertans, regardless of their status or their ability. So I used my parents as an example. 
seniors both, who may need to rely on government programs. And he said Alberta would have the best social supports in the country after the debt has been paid off. Didn't sit too well with me because how's that working out? In the most ideal of scenarios, we're at least 10 years away from a balanced budget. We have no clear idea when we'll pay off our debt. And I know for sure, though that my, though that my parents, if they need those programs, they need them now, not in 10 years. My mom is 87, my dad just turned 91 last week, and they unfortunately won't be around when the debt is paid off. The idea that Albertans must wait for government to clean up the mess government has made is absurd, and that is why I'm a member of the Alberta Party, and why the Alberta Party is essential to Albertans. I knew then that the PC Party was leaving me, and so I, like many, many other Albertans saw myself as politically homeless until at least I found the Alberta party. I loved Greg Clark's commitment to hard work and compromise. And um, though Stephen and Mandela and I did not see eye to eye uh, always on every issue when we were in municipal politics, he represented the city of Edmonton, I represented the Strathcona County, uh, I do know that Stephen has a deep love for Albertans from every walk of life, and I appreciate that. So together, these traits encapsulated the Alberta Party. Caring, strategic, visionary. I love the energy of the, the members, so I knew I was home. I still agree with Premier Kenny that we cannot continue to spend in such an unstate, unsustainable manner. The government spends far too much money and needs to cut back. I mean, how about the $30 million for the war room that attacks cartoons and collects personal information? There is indeed frivolous spending in government. We always see waste when the money does not go to Albertans on programs to support their needs and dreams, but rather ideological pet projects. But this waste is not the only reason the Alberta party is essential. The UCP isn't the only party to ignore Albertans and spend wastefully. The NDP have had their kick at the cat, and the province's small business owners, many of them that I know personally, the farmers, several of them who are my neighbours, and taxpayers can't afford that either. The Alberta party is essential because Albertans need a party that stands for them. The NDP and the UCP have many things in common, believe it or not. They obsessively worked for control, centralizing everything in Edmonton. When I was in municipal and provincial politics, I certainly saw that uh, there was a need for smaller communities to be able to have access to, uh, to government services. And whether it be political power or program delivery, this is what they do. They want it all to come to Edmonton. Most importantly though, they are the same because boiled down to the bones, they both define their parties by their belief for what the role of government should be. The UCP believe that government is a problem to be solved. The path to prosperity is paved with reduced spending, reduced revenue, public service and public programs cuts. It is ironic, I think, that a man who has made his living solely from the public purse thinks that it is the cause of all the world's problems. The NDP believe that government is the solution, regardless of the problem. Albertans are a 
problem to be managed through big government. A citizen initiative that is successful, well, it should be brought into the government tent. Bad behavior, as they perceive it, must be regulated. Personal initiatives stifled. And civil society, well, those tasks should be performed by the government. Special interests like unions will always be heard first. The vulnerable are political props used to gain the levers of power so as to expand government, but they're cast aside once power has been obtained. I've heard that many times while in my current role. Both are motivated by a quest for power because they place government's role as the center of their beliefs. Without power, they cannot shrink or grow government. They cannot bend it to their will. And standing in the way of that power is the people, is Albertans. The Alberta party, meanwhile, sees Albertans, not government, as the answer. We have no rigid view of government because government is not what matters. Albertans do. We must enable Albertans and allow them to be, well, Albertans. Because an Albertan empowered is an Albertan that can change the world. Albertans are a unique people. We're tough. On average, we work more than any other Canadian. We earn more too, and as a result of that hard work, um, and, and we earn more too as a result of that hard work, excuse me. And we donate to charitable causes more than anyone else in the country, a fact that remains true despite an oil downturn and despite a pandemic. We believe that a good idea and hard work can change the world and make everyone a little bit richer. That obsessive hard work leads to another, at least in my mind, distinctly Albertan attitude. We play hard. We love our toys. We love our mountains, our bars, our restaurants. This pursuit of happiness is easy to mock, but Believe me, me, it is beautiful and fun and fulfilling nonetheless. And we deserve these things. We believe that while it's up to the individual to roll up their sleeves and build something great, that individual was forged and supported by a community that also needs a hand up every once in a while. Usually in our great province, it is the hand of the successful, not government, that supports the community. But when the holes in the social safety net are too large and let too many people fall through them, we know that government must be there to catch them with programs that will help. We believe that those unable to meet the challenge of life deserve the care and respect to live with dignity. We have never believed one success must come at the expense of another. Every politician says this of those they represent and they prattle on about the unique character of their constituents. I have lived it. I know that this is what Albertans believe, how they live and what they want. And it's what the Alberta party believes. We will enable individuals to grow their businesses, take care of their families and build their communities. We will enact policies that assist individuals ensuring that they are safe and have the tools available so that they can pursue their passions, provide for their families and thrive in their communities. This requires a strong justice system, a world leading K to 12 and post-secondary education system 
and a financially sustainable healthcare system that focuses on outcomes, not process. It demands a system of supports for the most vulnerable Albertans and allows them to live their lives as active members in their communities. We also believe in empowering our business owners by providing a stable investment environment with smart regulations and smart tax taxation. Not high or low taxes or less or more red tape, but smart taxation, smart spending and smart regulations. And what do we mean by smart? We mean informed, pragmatic, real world common sense solutions. Taxation shouldn't be determined by an ideological view of government or to punish success but to provide the best common good for the least amount of economic harm. And that's it, period. We empower those to start a business by ensuring low regulatory and financial barriers to entry. A balanced budget is key to this. And of course, it comes back to people. By building a province for individuals, families and communities, businesses will have their most important element of success taken care of. And finally, we will be there for our communities. The provincial legislature does not know best. Those leaders closest to the people will know the needs, the wants, and the desires for their communities better than anyone in the provincial capital will. Municipalities then will be treated as key partners, not adversaries. And yes, this means we will disagree with actions taken by some municipalities. But it is the voters who live there to whom these leaders are accountable, not to MLAs. They will decide whether they like the direction their municipality is going or not. This philosophy would be uh, extended to other civil society organizations where synergy with, with publicly funded supports can ensure a strong network. Community leagues, religious organizations, Charities, sports teams, youth groups, these are the pillars of a democratic society. They are closest to the people who rely on their services. Albertans cannot rely solely on government or solely on civil society. The two must work together to provide the social supports we need to ensure prosperity and dignity for all. The Alberta Party stands for the people of Alberta and their spirit, their values, their ideals. An Alberta party government would empower Albertans to be their best, a formula that has worked for us before in this province. And with that in mind, it seems that the Alberta party is an essential voice in our political landscape. Far too often, the chattering classes seem to revel in the development of a two-party system in Alberta. Why anyone would welcome that system is beyond me. Look what's happening in our legislature today. We miss the reasoned voices and the solution-driven responses of the Alberta party. But let's look at this argument in another way. If you're pro-business, you vote UCP. Pro-union and pro-government, NDP. If you hate government, the UCP is your home. And a love for big spending, big brother knows best guidance from on high means you're voting NDP. Where does that leave Albertans, the vast majority who don't believe in these rigid views? Those with a pragmatic outcomes-based view on government, the ones who believe in small, effective government, that it is a force for good only so far as it empowers its citizens through smart spending, smart regulations, and smart taxation. 
In a climate of dangerous polarization, where insults are the primary form of political discourse, we would have to invent the Alberta party if it didn't exist. Because we know everyday Albertans, those who make their livings not on perpetual government, government positions or unions organizing, they don't insult each other. They don't pass out earplugs so as to ignore their co-workers' views. And they don't have strong views one way or the other about the role of government. The Alberta Party stands for Albertans, and Albertans, they are not polarized, angry partisans. They are neighbors and co-workers workers who work together to make a better province. And that is what the Alberta Party stands for and why it is essential in our political landscape. And so, if you believe in a government for Albertans that believes government and power is a means to an end, then I think it's time for you to join us. If you believe Albertans do their best when they're empowered to build, join us. And if you believe the senseless partisan dividing of Albertans does no good to building a better province, I welcome you to join us. The Alberta Party is here for you because it is here for Albertans. And I look forward to in addressing and answering your questions. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um... Before we get started with the Q&A, I actually wonder if I may ask a question um, first as using my moderator um, privileges here. Um, how It seems like in Alberta, things are pretty ideologically driven these days. How would, uh, spe specifically in politics, but I think in the, in the whole general discourse, um, what would the Alberta party bring to try and maybe change that a little bit or or how do you see how does the alberta party see that well thank you and uh we are uh, i believe that we are enacting on some of that right now in how we are conducting ourselves currently uh because we are looking and reaching out to the community for answers and for their uh their input part of this is being driven by the two parties right now they're saying life has to be one Thing or the other and as I said in my speech Albertans are sort of you know sometimes we really need a social safety net sometimes we want to be left alone um, and so they they hover back and forth between that and uh, what we need to do is first of all listen which is what we do we want to hear from those Albertans we want to hear their solutions and um, be able to enact what it is in what we heard in legislation. And I think we've had some excellent examples of that uh, in with past members of the Alberta Party. Uh, I believe that it was Greg Clark who actually got some amendments through when the NDEs were in, in government. And that comes from sort of putting your egos aside, sitting down and listening to all voices, and then trying to find a compromise. And maybe that even means um, changing how we make those decisions, inviting other members of, um, of other parties to sit down and find, to find the solutions. I think we have to work together and there has to be a willingness on the parties to do that. And the Alberta party is willing to sit down and listen and work together. Thank you. Our question is from 
Timothy, who is from the Lethbridge Herald, a reporter with the Lethbridge Herald. What is the Alberta Party's view on the COVID-19 pandemic and the UCP government response to that pandemic? Well, Timothy, we'd have to go back way to the beginning. And um, unfortunately, we can't do a do-over at this point in time. But that's where our response is. And we've actually put forward a response, oh, I've several months ago saying we need to know what the goalposts are we need to know what albertans need to know what to expect uh from their government where they're going to go as a business person i think one of the most stressful things has been changing on a on a moment's notice basically i i just recalled about three weeks ago when we were allowed to have we're in the hospitality industry allowed to have um patios and here i was hauling patio furniture to our locations in a snowstorm. We tried to do our best that way. And uh, so it's really stressful to not know what those goalposts are. And we've asked for regional solutions. We've asked for the identification of those goalposts and what makes those changes. And then we would expect that our government, if they had to make changes, because there's always new information, that they would come out with the reasoning because I always believe that if people understand the reasons, they are more apt to accept their new roles or their new responsibilities. But we would go, if we had to go back to the beginning, the first thing is we wouldn't throw out the, uh, the information that, the, uh, that was created with respect to, um, to emergency uh, situations. I know that there was a plan and uh, that plan was discarded. So we need to create, recreate that plan because this is not the only issue we're ever going to face with respect to uh, a situation that is basically, uh, you know, worldwide. It's going to happen more and more. I mean, we've seen it with our province. It's the anniversary of the, the great fire in Fort McMurray this past week. And we need to know how we're going to handle those things. We need to learn. So now, going forward, Timothy, we need to learn from what our mistakes were. We need to learn as to what needs to be changed. I've said many times, um, the loss of lives from our long-term care facilities, that's tragic. And we can't let that tragedy um, not change how we do things. And so going forward, let's sit down and make sure that we've got a plan that takes care of our people. Our next question comes from Knut Peterson. What is your stand on coal mining in the Eastern Slopes? Well, we've uh, had a very active group. We call them a super CA. There are about three or four of our constituency associations uh, from uh, the Lethbridge area, from um, Banff, Canmore, that have gotten together very early in this process and um, have sought to find information. They've held many calls, uh, talking to people about water, talking to people, uh, experts in, in coal mining, looking at what kinds of alternatives there could be with respect to uh, green, uh, green steel. Uh, and so we've been on this for quite some time. And uh, first of all, we did call the, for the reinstatement of Peter Lougheed's uh, position on, um, on coal mining in the Eastern Slopes. Uh, we are happy to see that that has somewhat been reinstated, but of course, 
it's not retroactive to some of the issues, some of the um, exploration that's taken place. And so that's continuing on. And we would want that, uh, we believe that our mountains and our clean water are imperative uh, in, our, in our lives, that they need to be protected. And so I guess that would uh, somewhat answer your uh, question in the fact that if it's going to affect Albertans' lives and Alberta's security for the future with respect to clean water, and uh, it's got to stop. And, and right now, we need to sit back and we need to make sure that we have all of the information on the table but I can tell you that our constituency associations out there have been fighting to preserve our mountains. Our next question comes from Michael Patrickis. Does the Alberta Party support the idea of, vac of vaccine, vaccine passports and or the vaccination of tens of millions of Canadians with an experimental vaccine, including children? Well, we have to rely on our uh, federal government and we have to rely um, globally on the information that's coming. We don't have a position on vaccine passports. It's not something that we've discussed. I imagine that that's going to come forward, along with many other items that sort of have evolved and been brought up through the pandemic. We, as the Alberta Party, are looking uh, to a policy session later in the year after we've elected our new leader. And so there are many things, some of them will be controversial. Some of them I think will just sail through with respect to uh, uh, being passed as part of our platform. But I anticipate that there will be a great deal of political, a great deal of discussion. And uh, then we will have a position on that. But as for right now, we have not had a position on, uh, on a vaccine passport. And that's something that the federal government is actually going to have to be to to make a decision on. I personally, I believe that uh, I need to protect others. And so I've had my vaccine. I have friends whose children who have children who have had uh, transplants, particularly one good friend whose daughter had a heart transplant at three months. She can't protect herself. She relies on us to uh to provide that protection and so that we don't get sick and uh, she just doesn't have the ability to fight that off. So I feel that as a citizen of this world, I need to do my part. Our next question comes from Trevor Page. How many paid up members in the Alberta party and will you run candidates in all constituencies at the next election? Okay, so I can't give you a number off the top of my head. Uh, I, I, I don't have that number. I haven't looked up that number. I do know that it's growing. I can tell you that. It is certainly our intention to run 87 candidates in the next election. That's what we're working to right now is to make sure our constituency associations are, um, are functioning, that they are ready to have nominations once our leader is our new leader is chosen. And uh, we want those CAs um, established so that that's not something that the leader has to, to focus on. They can focus on the candidates. Okay, our next question comes from Lurie Schultz and um, it's a biggie. So it's probably gonna take you a while to answer because it covers the gambit. Uh, please, okay. please comment on the Alberta party's policies on minimum wage, universal income, OHS, childcare, 
Economic recovery for women and marginalized and K to grade 12 curriculum. Dot, dot, dot. So basically your whole party platform, I think. <laughs> well, I'll give it a shot. I probably won't cover all things. And as I said, some of this is evolving because we will have a policy session later in the year. Uh, so let me give you a shot. First of all, let's do the curriculum because that's been so recent and uh, we've been very vocal on it. Our shadow cabinet minister in education. We have a shadow cabinet, by the way. I should just explain that. And uh, so we have different people in positions that represent, uh, that are, that provide opinions and ideas on specific department areas. And Neil Kortash is our shadow cabinet minister in education. And uh, he's been active, he's been on several panels. He is a teacher himself. And I know that um, he's given it, when, when this whole process started, when the, the curriculum came out, he gave it a very good read, a very measured, uh, he wanted to make a measured response. And so he did uh, his due diligence. And um, certainly this curriculum that we see is um, not age uh, appropriate in many ways. And as a former teacher myself, I certainly see that rote learning has a place, but we also need to be able to Uh, have thinkers in the future who are able to take an idea and form another idea and form another idea. It's not allowing that. It's not developing that skill in our children when it needs to be developed at a a young age. Uh, And so Neil has been, um, uh, as I said, very vocal in saying that this curriculum is not acceptable. We need to go back to the drawing board. And and I want to say, I mean, I was a PC MLA at the time when... um, when this was all started and uh, we were two years late in adopting it. We should have the, the ND government then had four years to adopt the new curriculum because it was time that curriculum had the world has changed. The curriculum needs to change to reflect that the NDs had four years to implement a new curriculum failed to do that. And now we are left with this, um, this version by the UCP and, uh, as we can see, many, many of the school boards are not even going to pilot it. It's not where the world is at, and it's not going to be uh, beneficial to our to our children's future. So that's that. Um, one of the so one of the things that we're really focusing on right now is uh, people with disabilities. Uh, did the disabled community? And I mentioned it in my speech that often there are groups from society that are basically used as pawns in the process of getting a party elected. And I think that the disabled community has been left behind by this current government as well. And I'm not sure that they were totally supported by the previous government, but certainly there was a call out to say, you know, we're here to help you. And that's not acceptable. Um, we need to actually be there and provide concrete support so that people can be uh, an active member in their community. People learn, and it goes even back to the curriculum, people learn differently. Children that, uh, autistic children, uh, have a different way of learning that's, um, that's unique to each and every one of them. And we need to be able to support that. And we need to be able to support those in those 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 children and those adults in our communities. And so that means us, we need to change, not them. 
so we want to look at things that way, and we've been spending some time uh, gathering some information in that regards. Okay, what else did we have in there? Um, okay, so the um, let me read them all out again for you, just okay. as a refresher. Minimum wage, universal income, OHS, uh, child care, economic recovery for women and marginalized, as well as the K to grade 12. Okay. So on uh, the uh, minimum wage, uh, we've been there supportive of the minimum wage. Universal basic income, uh, we are, I believe we have a CA, constituency association, that is bringing a policy forward uh, to um, a resolution forward to our policy meeting. So that will be a great discussion. We've had some discussion with the, the folks that are promoting basic income. It's um, their what they've presented is slightly different than UBI, uh, we're referring it to it as basic income, but we truly know that that fits. Uh, we need to find a way again for those people who are being left behind to be able um, to live with dignity. So that's in discussion where that's going to go. Stay tuned, join us, come to our uh, become a member, come and vote at the at the policy session. You know that's. That's how it goes, and it's a democracy, and it's a, the, the majority will form the opinion. Uh, child care, we've always had a child care position, even in the last election, uh, the last campaign, and that was that um, we, uh, we had a proposal that the dollars followed the child, and uh, so that it gave, uh, it gave choice but it also supported uh, enhancing childcare because we know that that is uh, a drawback for some, particularly women, in entering the workforce. And so, um, so I would uh, say that we've been there and we continue to be there. Our version is slightly different than, than perhaps, uh, certainly than what the UCP had, has put forward, which is nothing, I think, except some dollars and definitely different than the ND position. But we do have a position and we do believe that, as I said, childcare is important in getting women in particular back into the workforce. Uh, as far as a position on what we're doing with respect to uh, getting women back in the workforce and being an active member, active participant in our economic renewal. Uh, I, I don't think we have anything specific right now. I know that our shadow cabinet minister has put forward some opinions on in that and respect, but I we don't have a particular policy on that. Again, it's uh, the time to be able to put things forward and to make sure that info that uh, becomes part of the Alberta party in the future. Uh, that's probably several of them. Uh, we do have uh, the Alberta Party puts forward a shadow budget. Uh, Neil Court, uh, sorry, uh, Troy. Mark Nicoda is our shadow minister, and uh, he and his team have continually put forward every year a shadow budget, which reflects where we see the priorities of the Alberta Party. So I would encourage you to to look that up. It is online, and uh, that will give you a better idea, sort of where we're focused at this point in time. It changes, of course, yearly because, as I said, the world changes. But we do give it a good try. It's uh, created by volunteers, and uh, it certainly looks at, um, at what we need to do to 
to move forward. And we also released in May of last year an economic recovery plan too. One of the things I wanted to mention about our shadow budget, this past shadow budget, our idea of what the corporate tax rate is, should be is different than the, uh, than the UCPs. But we had a lengthy discussion on, on that. Do we change it back to what, what we've proposed in the past or do we leave it? And as a business person myself, I know that stability is really important in ensuring um, that businesses can grow and contribute to the economy and thereby um, being a benefit to everyone. So uh, after much discussion, we did say, you know what, it's more important to ensure that stability than it is to, again, go back to something at this point in time that we have uh, supported in the past. So that's what you'll find about the Alberta Party. Like we're, we're willing to change, we're willing to look and compromise because you know, I want my kids living here in the future and uh, I want their kids to be able to be as proud of this province as I am. And so it takes us as being adults in political parties to, um, to make things different. I know that coming for discussion, well, as long as it passes through the hoops up to policy session will be a look at election reform. Uh, the world has changed and uh, so uh, I uh, I want to see where that discussion goes but we're certainly going to have that discussion as well. Okay. Um, our next question comes from Laurie Schultz again. Would the Alberta Party approach to COVID pandemic from a, and then in quotations, keep Alberta health system from crashing or would the zero COVID approach be applied as in New Zealand and Australia? Um, well, as I said, hindsight is, you know, great, but um, New Zealand, of course, an island unto itself had the opportunity to really shut down its borders. We're part of a greater country. And uh, right now, uh, even now, we see people traveling between BC and Saskatchewan, even though that's not, uh, well, that, that governments are looking against it. We, uh, we would want to ensure that the health system is stable and sustained. And, um, you know, we take advice from our doctors and from the scientists as to the best approach. And so I, I don't think we've ever discussed zero COVID. I mean, that's in an ideal world, uh, but there are too many things outside of our provincial jurisdiction that we would be able to to do the same things that New Zealand did. But we would certainly want to ensure that our health system, and by listening to our health uh, specialists, there probably are things that we should have enacted earlier uh, so that we could actually all enjoy our May long weekend uh, and uh, and our summer coming up. Our next question comes from uh, Michael Petrakis. What is the AB party's position on Bill C-10? Uh, that's the telecommunications, <clears throat> the federal telecommunications. Uh, I know that we've had some informal discussion uh, amongst ourselves, but we do not have a formal policy at this point in time. So I would only give you, be giving you sort of my perspective as far as what that conversation is. So I, I can't give you uh, a uh, party policy, right? A party position on that. 
certainly something worth we need to continue our discussions. As I said, we've been talking informally among, amongst ourselves, but we haven't come up with uh, uh, an official position. Okay. Uh, Knut Peterson, arguably, Alberta's NDP would be considered a centrist party in most, place, most places in the free world. Can you see the Alberta party aligning with the NDP? There are many things that, uh, <clears throat> that we and the NDP would see differently. Uh, I would have to disagree with you that the NDP would be considered a centralist party. Now, certainly in the global perspective, they are doing things to try to become more centrist. I think a lot of that has to do with their current leader. Their leader changes and they are going to revert back to uh, being far further left wing. You know that because they are aligned with their federal party. And uh, <clears throat> until that break is made, they don't have the luxury of uh, trying to really push themselves to the center. So, um, so no, I, I don't see us aligning with them because we do, as I said, sometimes we would agree with what they're doing. Other times when it comes to fiscal responsibility and how we should solve solutions, we probably align further to the right than, than they do if you're looking on a political spectrum. But as I said in my speech, that's too simple of a way to try to compare us. Um, and it's too simple of a way to try to pigeonhole Albertans. So um, I, I would see if, if you need to do that on a political spectrum, they're still for they're, they're further to the left than we are. We're far more central, but they lose their leader, and uh, which, I mean, uh, Rachel Notley is not going to be their leader for, um, for forever. And uh, until they break that tie with their Fed counterpart, they will, have to, they will be directed by the federal uh, NDs. And we certainly see them as far further left than uh, what the Alberta party would be. Our next question comes from um, Michael Petrakis again. What do you know personally? What do you know personally about the Great Reset? That's in quotations, and then the in again quotations Fourth Industrial Revolution, spearheaded by Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum. Well, I just. Um, I just started trying to do some reading about that and of course that uh, theory is that we're trying to get rid of all businesses and only have having sort of supercells of businesses and uh, frankly I'm a small business person myself I belong to a great network of uh, businesses in the city of Edmonton and I can tell you we're all individuals and we're all working to make our businesses uh, successful and in doing so, uh, ensuring that our employees have security. And so I can't tell you that I would, uh, I would say that that is somebody's theory at this point in time. And that's not what I see in reality happening in the city of Edmonton. And I would say the province of Alberta, at least in the business world that I've been uh, a part of. Our next question comes from Timothy from the Leftbridge Herald. You said a balanced budget is important for to the Alberta party. How would you accomplish that? Increased taxations, cuts, a combination of both, or other measures? Please explain those measures, if so. Okay, so um, thanks, Timothy. Uh, 
We, uh, it would be a combination of both. Certainly, as I mentioned, and that was just one example of frivolous spending, we need to prioritize where that spending is going to go. We do have, and we've started the discussion of how, what is the best way to balance the budget. We don't have a final position, but the talk on, um, on some sort of um, PST, uh, harmonized sales tax, because we wouldn't want to try to create a whole new system, administrative system, uh, to, to find that, that's on the table. But we also think that growing some of our businesses, for example, I mean, I know the UCP are finally on it and the NDP, it took them a long time to come around, but we've been talking about the hydrogen economy and the opportunities with that for I'm thinking a year at least, it's been a long time. And there are other ways that we can, um, we can position Alberta in a way of generating income uh, and, and um, providing for our coffers so that we can still um, provide the services that Albertans need. But it will be, it will be a combination, certainly. But we, and we, as I said, we've put the uh, PST or the Harmonized Sales Tax, HST, on the table for discussion. We think it is not prudent not to put it there and to have input from Albertans. And um, so if you're asking, is this a party that's willing to support that? If uh, uh, We will make that final decision, but we're, we are a party that's willing to uh, make sure that we go out there and uh, find, uh, find the reasons to or not to do it. But if, it, if the reasons are, if, if the vote is to put it forward, we have no problem in saying it's, uh, it's up to Albertans and here we are, uh, we're willing to, uh, to move on that for the, um, for the future. Um, consumption, tax, ta uh, consumption tax, as you talk to any economist, is uh, probably the most fair tax. We just had a session with Todd Hirsch, uh, our Grand Prairie Constituency Associations, just this past week talking about how do you position yourself for post-pandemic recovery again and what should we be doing? And that certainly was part of the discussion. Okay, um, the next question, you kind of answered it already, is from Trevor Page. Uh, what is your party's position on provincial sales tax? Maybe you can elaborate a little bit. <laughs> well, it's hard to elaborate from that but we certainly have put it on the table. We are looking at it. We've had a couple of calls. Uh, uh, Carol Levis and also uh, Mark Nakoda have, uh, have moderated, chaired some sessions on that. And we are looking to see if uh, that is the best solution. Uh, we've mentioned it in our past shadow budget that, that we are willing to explore that. And we're gonna go forward. We're, I don't have all the answers right now, but um, we're in the process of making that decision. Uh, our next question comes from Mark Goodall. What is your position regarding revenue shortfalls? Would you support a sales tax? I guess kind of the same question, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, and I think, so, so I'm just gonna mention, just say to that, because we're getting a few questions that way. Albertans want to talk about it. Albertans want to find a way out of this mess. Um, and ensure, as I said, for their children and their grandchildren, that there is an Alberta economy that's strong for them. And if that's one of the things that needs to be needs to happen, then we need a party with um, the the courage to take that forward and not just say, "Oh, um, 
for electability, I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. Now we realize right now that there is a, a need to have a um, a vote on that, a plebiscite on that. But we also need to be putting forward a plan to say if you had this sales tax, this is what you could expect. What are the, what's the level of exemption? When do people get a rebate? Because frankly, we don't think that at seventy five thousand dollars for a dual income family that that's really uh, um, a tr that you really have an ability to, uh, to to provide for your family. So we need to know what those um, what those mark what those marks are as far as rebates, uh, who uh, who doesn't get one. And so I, I guess I have to tell you that Albertans want the discussion. You're asking about it. We've heard that from many people. We don't know what the end result is, but we had better be talking about it. And we have too many parties in this province who are shying away from that particular discussion. Come on, we, we're adults here and we need to find our way through this. Okay, um, next question is from Bridge City News. Uh, we've heard a lot about pandemic burnout from Albertans. What's your take on Albertans who continue to defy the COVID-19 restrictions? But at the same time, how much longer can we keep this up? Oh, you just, I feel that way too, right? <laughs> we're, we, um, we started with a full tank of gas and a year ago we were, we did our best and we were, we were ready to try to do this. But because the goalposts keep getting moved on us, we're running out of that, um, the gas in our tank to be able to make those adjustments. And I see so many people um, mentally, um, they just don't have the mental capacity any longer to be able to make those pivots and those adjustments. So I know the burnout is there and um, I'm so tired of things going back and forth and back and forth. And as I said, it's because those goalposts keep getting moved on us. Um, and I want, I want a good summer too. And I, I want us, okay, if these are the regulations right now, as a business owner, uh, I will say to my staff, every change, you know the routine, let's go do it. And we need to do our best to ensure that. But I can see how people are tired. And if you go into rural Alberta, uh, it's even more accentuated than it is in the city of Edmonton with respect to people just getting tired um, of having to make those changes. So it. I think this is people's last kick at the cat of uh, of their willingness to, um, to be all in, and yet you know we've we've lost so many lives that it, it's it's tragic. Uh, I don't know if I totally answered your question, but I'm at my wit's end too, and I think lots of Albertans are. So uh, we're going to give it a shot as good as we can this time, and uh, then we'll take a look at that in three weeks, and hopefully. Hopefully we've had enough um, enough regulation and hopefully that there's been enforcement of the rules so that it's not sort of, um, it's not really willy-nilly and no one's adhering to the to the rules and regulations that we can go forward and, and enjoy the rest of our summer because I don't know how much more anyone can take. Okay, our next question uh, comes from Denver Florence. What's your favorite movie and why? Oh, my favorite movie. Well, there are different favorite movies 
in many respects. Um, but I do have to tell you a funny story. So uh, I, I, my love is tourism, particularly uh, bringing people out to this to to Alberta outside of Calgary and Edmonton. And uh, I do these tours. And my very first tour that I wanted to do was to um, included the village of Chipman. And I went to Dave and I said, Dave, you know, in Coyote Ugly, they have it, it's, it's all women that go on the tour. So I, I said to him, Dave, in Coyote Ugly, they dance on the bar. I want a picture with my my tour, the group, the ladies that I'm going to bring. I want them up on the bar with the photo. And he goes, Well, Jackie, this bar is it's not going to hold one person, let alone a group of people. And uh, I always had this sort of thought of Coyote Ugly because the symbol for the village of Chipman is a coyote. And by the time we actually got our tour there about four months later, you know, when we had the group there, he had rebuilt the bar and we all got to sit and stand <laughs> on the bar and have our photo taken. So to me, that's probably not my favorite movie, but it's very memorable in my life and it has somewhat of a connection. So, uh, yeah, so I'll have to say that right now, ask for a movie that's the one that's going to come to mind just because of my personal experience there okay uh knut peterson <laughs> equalization the carbon tax and climate change are continuous contentious contentious issues especially in alberta what is your party's stance on those issues well equalization is negotiated and it's unfortunate that when the current premier was in federal government <laughs> He created the he created the dynamic he created the policy that we're now following. So um, I think my personal I'm not sure it's the party but personally I think that Alberta has um, has to stand up for itself. Uh, but we have ways of doing that through negotiation, and and I think we should stand up for ourselves. Um, Quebec has done very well in. Uh, defining itself as a province and I think that we can too but we are part of a Canada and I'm Canadian that's how I identify so we need to work together with um, with our government and uh, you know right now we're probably on the receiving end of that equalization grant and, and uh, maybe we'll be a little more hesitant but it wasn't you know uh, the powers to be took advantage of us that was uh, uh, when they actually establish the current formula and uh, we do need to sit down and take a look at that climate change i think was the next part of that question yeah carbon tax carbon tax and climate change well we've always had a position on carbon tax even in the past um in our past election campaign which uh, i always have to say you know we did have about 10 percent of the uh, of the vote in that last election unfortunately you know, unfortunately, it was spread across the province, and so we don't have the opportunity to have a, um, a member in the House. But um, but we do represent a great many Albertans, and our position on the carbon tax at that point in time, and it hasn't changed, we haven't uh, stepped forward to make any changes, was that it needed to be an Alberta-made solution. And we've been proven correct by the court saying that uh, the federal government has the opportunity to to put forward the tax. And so if we're going to have to live with the tax, we want to have the say. And that's where we've been for goodness since several years now. Okay. Um, 
Our next question comes from Bev Mundell. What is your party's stance on Bill 70? Uh, COVID liability is Bill 70, right? Um, uh, you know, we, have, we haven't talked about it. Um, it's rather convenient that it was put forward when it was put forward. And so that doesn't sit very well with me. There have been a few other things that have occurred through this whole um, process, uh, taking away the authority of the Chief Medical Officer of Health. Uh, that was taken away through legislation. And, um, uh, yeah, well, that, that was provincial, sorry, and that will go back to federal. I, I, we don't have a position. Um, I don't think that we can be... Um, I, I don't think you can wash our hands totally of all of this. So uh, if, if I had a loved one that passed away because of, uh, because of some of the decisions, I'd be fighting. I mean, I did have an uncle who passed away, but that was in the United States. And uh, uh, so everyone's lives have been touched by COVID. But I don't think, I mean, we made people make decisions on the best in all best information, but if they're not willing to share that information, we don't have the trust in our government that they are making that right decision. So I think all governments, federal, provincial, had to be should have been more transparent in what they were using uh, to make their decisions because uh, we just have we have a nation. We actually globally even it's. Um, of people who do not trust their politicians, and we need to change that. Our next question comes from Knut Peterson. The UCP seem to have adopted an adversarial stance in dealing with health and education professionals and institutions. How would the Alberta Party deal with them and public service in general? Well, as I said, I think we need to work with our partners, uh, with our, with fellow Albertans, and that includes the groups. We've always been there for the doctors. Uh, when when Jason Kenny started to attack our doctors, we went out and we were talking to our doctors. We need to have them at the table when we are making those kinds of decisions that that involve them and their livelihood. And frankly, as a teacher, a former teacher, sorry. I, uh, I'm mad at both of the parties that are in the legislature. I, there is a respect for teachers that is being uh, destroyed by the current UCP government. I don't know if uh, the premier had a, had a terrible childhood education experience that he doesn't like teachers, but I know lots of people who respect their teachers and love their teachers and teachers who work so hard to be able to engage their students that I think that that is um, a travesty. But the ND government, they messed up too. They used teachers. Um, they held off signing their contract until after the last general election when they could have actually sat down, negotiated, signed that contract, and teachers would not be in this mess that they're in right now having to deal with a UCP government that hates, as I said, everything uh, and anything involved in government, whether that's uh, teachers, public servants. And I, you know, and as I mentioned, our current premier is rather ironic. He has not in my, I mean, he has only held positions that, uh, that are uh, on the bequest of the uh, 
that are sponsored or paid for by the public purse, with the exception of his taxpayers association that he went out and established. And I remember that. This is how much it ages me. But we just started our business then on 118th Avenue, 42nd Street in Edmonton. He walked door to door to door from business to business saying how bad the federal government was and that business is needed to support his new association with their dollars so he could stand up to the federal government. I remember that still to this day, and I don't know why, but obviously it's left a bit of a taste in my mouth. Okay, and that was it for the questions. Um, although Beth Mundell does make the comment that Bill 70 reduces the liability of long-term care facilities in Alberta for deaths. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, it does. That's right. And I, um, there were some decisions that they made, and if we, I can just have a second here, that uh, that were not acceptable. They should have used the dollars, but then again, that's part of the provincial uh, uh, direction of paying appropriately, ensuring that the people who were working with um, our long-term care residents were properly protected and also educated uh, in what that what it is that they have to do. So I don't think they can just rub their hands and and absolve all long-term care facilities. Uh, the, there were decisions that they made individually and independently. So uh, I think it needs a better look at at that. And I wouldn't just do a blanket statement that they're allowed to to be absolved of liability. Sorry, I yeah, yep. it's been a long hour, right? And I'm going back and forth here. <laughs> No worries. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, before we end the live stream today, do you have a take home message for us? Well, um, I believe that we need to uh, re-engage Albertans. We need to build their trust and we need to listen to Albertans and uh, be prepared to make some changes. The party that I am representing, the Alberta party, is such a party that is willing to put egos aside and to really work for the better uh, betterment of Alberta and for Albertans. So please join us. Lovely. Um, there's a couple of thank yous um, in the in the queue. Uh, specifically, Laura Schultz, Jackie, thank you for speaking to SACPA this morning and sharing the Alberta Party's approach. Very much appreciated. On behalf of SACPA, we appreciate you joining us this uh, this hour and for making the time to do so. And for everybody who's uh, online, I hope you'll join us next week when we have uh, Don McIntyre, How Can Past and Present Injustices Against Indigenous People Be Reconciled? And that's next Thursday at 10 a.m. again. So I hope to see you then. That's it for today. Thanks, folks.